0: oh hello it's puno and you are listening to girl boss radio how many of you want to build an app i feel like everybody at one point in their life has said i got an app idea Mm -hmm. as a user experience designer i've had to build a lot of apps and i'm like hold on one second because it's a bit of a beast especially if your business model is a subscription-based app, and that's how you make your money. You have to make sure that every day, the people who download your app are happy and not unsubscribing, and there's just a lot of work that goes into not just launching, but also maintaining it. I am so excited to chat with Channy and Sonia because they're doing just that with their recently launched astrology app called Channy. I mean, they're doing it totally different. They didn't take any funding from VCs. In fact, they completely bootstrapped their business. And that actually is allowing them to create this incredibly intentional and employee-centered business. The app itself also is just not your typical, you know, sometimes doom and gloom astrology app. You know what I'm talking about. So the way the Cheney app works is it helps you understand yourself on a deeper level through these prompts and podcasts and a ton of content that even have really specific dates and times. And it's all to kind of dive into yourself and give you actionable next steps. There's so much on this app. You will get lost in yourself. which was all new to me because in terms of astrology, I'm a noob, you know? I mean, I know that I'm a Gemini, but that's about it. I actually got the privilege of getting a reading by Chani in this episode, and I felt it. I mean, their whole goal is that they want you to actualize your potential, and they figured out how to also bring those values into their business with their employees and even with their nonprofit Free From. But we also talk about creating a supportive environment and what does that mean to them? My biggest takeaway from this entire episode is that they're rethinking everything. They're rethinking how do you fund your own business? How do you structure your business? How do you build an app? Who are you gonna build an app with? Which developers are you gonna work with? There are absolutely no best practices for Chani and Sonia, and I love that. They are redefining everything they want and have created a true lifestyle business. And you know, lifestyle business often gets confused with a lifestyle brand, totally get it, but a lifestyle business is when a founder's values are the number one priority. Which means like if you prioritize employee mental health over KPIs and growth, that's your prerogative, you're allowed to do that. The goal of a lifestyle business is to create what you as a founder want to see in the world. And I feel like we need more examples of that. We need to show more people that aren't doing things the traditional way, that are really questioning everything and they're not compromising, but they're still thriving, being profitable, while making a world that they wanna live in. Ah! All right. are right. Are you tantalized? You must be tantalized. Well, then let's get into this episode. How are you?
1: Good. Good. So glad to be here.
0: Well, I'm so excited to finally be able to chat with you guys about so many things but what i'm really excited about is the chani app because it's great i downloaded it and i haven't been into astrology before but i was just like this is such a different way that you guys have approached it it's incredibly thorough and and i feel like it's very thoughtful so when you guys were starting to build this i guess like what inspired you to even create an app because I'm actually a UX designer and I used to make apps. So I'm always very cautious when someone comes to me and they're like, Hey man, I got an app idea. And I'm like, w- well, hold on a second. Cause you're getting into a bit of a beast here. Um, <laughs> you know, and I'm just like, a little. just a little bit. And just I'm like, little. so I'm curious for you guys. What was the justifications to creating an app?
1: It's a good word justification.
2: <laughs> we actually have a disagreement going about whose idea it was. Mm-hmm. I'm convinced it was her idea. She's convinced it was my idea. You know, like when your parents, when you do something and you're causing a problem, they'll be like, well, she's your child. <laughs> so we definitely have that going with the app when it's really stressful. Use your idea.
0: Oh my God. Um, I, th- I was like, oh, that's so sweet. And it's like, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> We're
1: blaming each other.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I think... F- both of us had
2: different but similar motivations for creating the app we have been building the business together since we met and so in its earlier iteration chani was doing workshops and we were putting these workshops on dropbox for people and they would be monthly workshops where folks could do a lot of what you can right now already in the app in the workshop section we have reading for your sign for the new moon, for the full moon, guided meditations, journal prompts, all the suggestions. And so all of that was PowerPoint slides on Dropbox. And, you know, it's 2021. We were like, there's got to be a better way to take all of the work and community and relationships that Channys built with our users and make everything that much more accessible. Um, I grew up with astrology, so I I knew a lot about astrology, but I had no idea that I was more than an Aquarius. I had no idea that you have an entire birth chart. And as I started to learn more about my chart, the validation and the self-reflection that I got from it was like nothing else I had ever experienced. And it really opened up so much healing for me. You know, my work is anti violence work, gender based violence work. But to me, knowing your birth chart, having access to an understanding of essentially the blueprint of your life and the gifts that you will uh, have, and the places of ease and the places of challenge, and getting comfortable and accepting who you are and what you have to offer is so valuable to the world and to yourself that going from our Dropbox workshops to an app felt like this allows us to give people resources and tools on such a bigger scale to understand themselves, to engage in their own healing work. And for that reason, despite the sleepless nights, it's so worth it. It's so worth it to be in dialogue with people in that way.
0: So you have a bunch of these workshops and you mentioned that you wanted to scale it. Is it because you knew that it would be available in the app store or was it more the way in which someone had to sign up for a workshop? It was just, there's too much friction in a way.
1: Yeah. Like I was doing monthly workshops. So every new moon I was leading people through ritual and meditation and also setting them up astrologically for the month ahead and it really was one of our most popular offerings. So we knew that after like five years of doing it, six years of doing it, that people really loved being engaged with the audio kind of version of it and also having the information given to them in a way that wasn't horoscopes and also learning about the astrology and learning about their chart in the process. So because we already had this, very dynamic relationship with the people that that came for the workshops month after month after month for years. We were like, it's so cumbersome to offer it over Dropbox. Like you literally have to be on your laptop that we know people want things on their phones. And so there wasn't another choice really, but to make an app because our business model was as it was. We had just organically created a business out of these workshops or at these monthly kind of offerings. And so we thought, well, if we could put it into an app, and then also I had written a book um, talking about people's birth charts and trying to help people through the main points of their birth chart. And so if we could also put something like the book into an app and teach people about their chart and then also what's happening. And then kind of the sky's the limit. I'd also taught courses about every different part of the chart. And so it was just a new home for the work that we've always been doing. It was just a less cumbersome, I think more elegant way of receiving the work. And we wanted people to have to do less work to receive the information.
0: I think that was the biggest aha moment for me. When UX designers are designing out things, they're always looking for that magic moment, the part where the user gets the experience, gets the vibe of what you're trying to do. And I think two things happened to me as a user. I was like looking at when you go into the app, there's the home and and it talks about your current sky. And I was like, what? It's like April 19th through May 20th. This is what's happening. And I was like, hold, oh, okay, all right. I'm looking at my calendar and being like, what's happening? <laughs> but I think that was the part that was so interesting. But in my mind, I'm also thinking, Whoa, this is a lot of content. you guys in a way had prototyped what the app was as Dropbox as PowerPoint slides. how much new content did you have to create now that everything's personalized? So so much much <laughs> so much
1: there's so much that more we do. than the
0: book because you also had you already wrote a book too
1: so much <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So much. So we wrote every single planet in every single sign in every single house, which is thousands and thousands of different iterations. So those are all written specific in a way that they've never been written in an app before. So what you're talking about is the current sky and that's free for everybody. And that those are kind of like horoscopes about what the planets are doing when. But if you go into the transit section of the app, that's uber personal to your chart. And those also give you time frames. And those also give you like the transits that are happening for you and only you, basically. And so you get like these general transits and then you get like hyper-personalized transits. And all of those had to be written. Every single placement for every single chart had to be written. So I wrote the book and Sonia edited it. And then we started on the app and it was like, why did we even write a book? <laughs> we have to rewrite everything and it's even more specific in the apps than it is in the book. And then there's because the planets never stop moving, so there's always we we're always writing and it only ever lasts for a certain amount of time. And then you've got to write a whole new thing. And you can't ever reuse it. So it's constant churning out of content. Wow.
2: Yeah, I think I think creating this app was the hardest thing either of us has ever done.
1: Definitely.
0: And is it because you have to be so disciplined about writing or what was hard about it? No,
1: I mean, we've got a team of astrologers. So a team of astrologers wrote the the content. We both edited it. I wrote quite a substantial amount of it. And then the ongoing content, I write weekly horoscopes. I give weekly readings and meditations and do a weekly podcast. And we're also writing out a whole bunch of new stuff. So we're going to have different asteroids and minor planets that are going to be in the app and nodes and all sorts of other astrologically significant things in your chart. We have a whole, a whole host of things that are being written. We have a director of content that also kind of oversees all of that. And then it all goes through my desk and I read all of it and edit it before it goes out. So it's a real collaborative kind of process.
2: And I think to your point about like, why is it, the most difficult thing. I think it's because we didn't want to create an app just to create an app. We weren't trying to become a tech company. Yeah. We really want to do everything that we do with so much care. And so that takes a tremendous amount of time, a tremendous amount of thought. Money. And, and money Resources. and investment. You know, we don't have investors. We invested our own money into building the app. Uh, which is not the norm, I think, for app building unless you have sort of family and friends supporting you, which is really just we invested the revenue of the business into growing the business. Mm -hmm. But then being thoughtful at every stage about not necessarily doing it the easiest way or the fastest way, but doing it in the most thoughtful way. Our app was built by a team that trains folks who've experienced sex trafficking and And other forms of gender-based violence to code. And then essentially pays them to build projects like our app. So again, like I said, my work is in the gender-based violence movement. It was so important to me that we didn't have tech bros working on this. We had survivors working on this and predominantly survivors of color working on this. Being really thoughtful about language. You know, there's so much shaming language that's used within the context of self-help, the context of astrology, gendered language. And so everything was edited with a view to like, how could this make someone feel shame or make someone feel not included or or like this wasn't written for them? How can Mm -hmm. we write this in a way that everyone can relate to? And so it's a true, true labor of love. And it's so satisfying, but 100% the hardest thing we've ever done.
0: Hey
3: Carly. Hey Puno. Have you ever used Planily? I have not used Planily before, but I feel like you're gonna tell me about it and I'm very eager. I'm about to tell
0: you about it.
3: I know it's gonna be so good. Social
0: media strategy is so important for any business, big or small, and without careful planning, how are you gonna know if your approach is even working? Enter planally. It's the design-forward platform of your social media marketing dreams. Here's the reason why I love Planoly. I'm a very visual person. And with Planoly, you can actually visually plan out your feed. Oh, nice. Yeah. This way, you just drag it and drop it. As if you're moving the squares around on your own feed. Oh, that's so helpful. But it's not just Instagram. They also support Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest. Dang, all the socials. All the socials. I know there's a code coming. Lay it on me. Mm -hmm. You're going to visit planily.com backslash girlboss. That's P-L-A-N-O-L-Y.com backslash girlboss. And use the code girlboss
3: for your first month free. That's planily.com slash girlboss with code girlboss in a whole month free. Mm-hmm. So, um, spoiler alert, I took your Squarespace course. And I got to tell you, once I had that free trial that you offered. Yes. I got so addicted. I just kept messing around. And then before I knew it, my site was actually done. Yes. Yeah. It was awesome.
0: You really just need to get a trial and just mess around. Get in there. Get in there. Yeah. Press all the buttons. Press all the buttons. And if you mess up, and I'm putting that in air quotes. You see me.
3: Yeah. I see you.
0: The quotes are in the air. You
3: know. Wah, wah. Yeah.
0: You could just start another
3: trial. Yeah. That's what I love about it, which was awesome.
0: Yeah. Well guess what? What? If you go to squarespace.com backslash girlboss, oh? you can get a free trial. Damn. Yeah. And then whenever you're ready to launch you can use the offer code Girlboss. Mm-hmm. For 10% off your first order. Oh, so I can finally launch this thing. For 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. Finally, yes. Yeah. Okay. I know. All right. That 10% is like, you know. It's legit. It's legit.
3: Yeah. No. Yeah. It's it's a discount. It is a discount. It's actually very helpful. I'm not even going to lie. Yeah.
0: There's a little lag there how's your wi-fi
3: it's a little slow my router's from the late 90s so get out that's it is it not supposed to dial when you turn it on that have you heard of wi-fi six i didn't know there was a wi-fi five so no
0: (laughs) before routers were supposed to deliver fast internet just for like your laptop and your smartphone right but now we got consoles we got tablets we got 4K TVs, we got thermostats. Yes. All these smart devices are like fighting for bandwidth in your home today. And Netgear has Wi-Fi 6 products. They have improved coverage, fewer dead zones, and a more productive and less frustrating Wi-Fi experience.
3: I feel like that should be in the constitution. Life, liberty, less frustrating Wi-Fi. You
0: gotta go check out netgear.com business and then use the code Girlboss10, get yourself 10% off and 4x more Wi-Fi.
3: Netgear.com slash business with code Girlboss10 for 10% off. That's it. Puno, you always hook <laughs> me up. I love that we're just always talking about deals. I love a deal.
0: <laughs> with most apps, you have one or you know a handful of profiles that you're trying to appeal to, and you guys, it's every single person right in the universe. <laughs> hey.
2: It's almost like self-help meets Myers Briggs, but even more personalized than that. And that's, I think, the beauty of it. On the back end, that means a tremendous number of computations and variations. But for the user, we want it to feel like the app is always talking to you.
0: Yeah and with your business model which is subscription that is so key the ability to create valuable content daily is not easy one just that alone and then two creating functionality and a usable interface that you can navigate all of that is also really really tough when you guys were designing it what parts were really hard and what parts came a lot easier for you i think
2: one of the challenges was we have for a long time had users around the world australia asia a lot of folks in europe and so first of all when you're talking about things like solstices well when it's the summer solstice one place it's the winter solstice another place and so how can you account for that how can you account for the fact that the full moon in LA is on Tuesday, but in London it's on Wednesday. Oh, I didn't even and think about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and there's a lot of places where you can't account for time zones. And then when Channy's talking to you through the weekly podcast, she can only give it you in one time zone, and then you sort of have to calculate it for you. And so that's definitely one of the places where we are coming up against, you know, wanting to make this feel like it's Talking to you and also not just everyone has a unique birth chart, but everyone is across the world at this point.
1: So I think the biggest thing for us when we were designing it was trying to figure out how to streamline this information for folks so that it was the most digestible and relatable as possible clear because we know what we're talking about, but to folks that don't know astrology, it can get really confusing really quickly. So like you have a birth chart and that is a snapshot of the sky when you were born and that stays the same. And then the planets keep moving. And so then astrologers look and see how the planets that are moving are impacting your chart And there's two ways we do that. We look at it just in a general transit, which is on the free homepage, which is to say Mercury is here in this part of your chart from this time to this time. But if you also have a planet in Mercury, in the transit section of the app, it'll say, oh, this planet is connecting, it's making a conjunction to your Mercury at this time, and this is what that will mean. And those are two different things. So it was just like parsing out the data to say okay, look here for this thing, look here for this thing. And there's so many components when you're thinking about a chart and it gets confusing really, really easily. So I think the biggest thing for us when we were designing it was trying to figure out how to streamline this information for folks so that it was the most digestible and relatable as possible.
0: Mm -hmm. How did you guys find your developers because i i feel like that's always the second part is you're about to embark on a relationship a long-term relationship with engineers that are going to have to execute on making it design friendly and making it digestible so how did you how did you know that you found the right people
2: yeah so all of the design was done in house our team did the design and then we talked to a lot of different developers, and we already knew kind of going into this what was important to us. So after the third or fourth meeting with a, you know, dude bro team and sort of just like face palming our way through it, I started to reach out to my network and say, does anyone know? Engineers of color, predominantly women in, and uh, gender nonconforming trans folks, like there's got to be a team out there that we can work with because that was so important
1: to us. And now we have our own in-house team. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, super exciting. Yes.
0: Yeah. How long did it take for you to make the first version of the app? I'm sure there's many versions of it at this point. Yeah. yeah. So the
2: app launched December 19th, mm-hmm. 2020. We, in all earnest, worked on it for the full year of 2020, building that first version. We had, you know, started planning 2019, but the book, You Were Born for This, launched January of 2020. And then once Jani was back from book tour, we were like, okay, all our attention goes to the app. Fortunately, in a weird way, Us both being home and not able to travel because of the pandemic just sort of meant we couldn't go anywhere and we just had to put all of our attention into the app because we both typically travel a lot. And then after the app launched, we've been building out our team. We were a team of four before the app launched. We're now a team of 12. And so going through that really beautiful period of like creating the team that we want to take this uh forward indefinitely.
0: Oh man. Yeah, that is a lot. That is a very productive <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> it was a super productive. Pandemic. In the app world, there are a lot of KPIs, key performance indicators. Like one word that we always got handed was MAU or monthly active users. Is this something that you guys look into? Because there's certain, you know, I guess strategies or terminology that the tech world has, but then there's some things that you're like, that's bullshit. I don't really care about that. (laughs) What were some of the things that you thought were helpful and some things that you are actively ignoring? I mean, I have
2: been told the term KPIs eight or nine times at this point, and I still don't remember what it stands for. Uh, We really don't see ourselves as a tech company and we are not really interested in conforming to what a, a normal tech company looks like or does, whatever that is. But the way that we have grown our business since the beginning is delivering really quality content and being really consistent, both in terms of how often we provide content, but also the quality of that content and investing in the users that we do have. And we've never paid for marketing, even since the app launched, we have never paid for marketing. It has always been organic, word of mouth, and just that folks are really getting value from it. That is the most important thing to both Chani and I, is that what we create in the world and all the things that we do has value and people find value in it. you know we know how many users we have we know how our users are growing month by month but we don't have sort of like weekly staff meetings where we set goals and everyone's going to do what they can to like beat the goal and all that stuff it's really our weekly staff meetings are how is everyone doing what what successes did you have this week what challenges did you have this week and How can we be constantly improving the content that we are putting out? How can we be constantly in a dialogue with our users in a way that's helpful to them? For us, what has always worked and has continued to work since the app launched is how can we give the people that are here right now the best experience, and then the rest will take care of itself.
0: think because you decided to bootstrap versus getting funding that that allowed you to you launched an, an entire app in a year so it's not that you're not doing this quickly but what did bootstrapping help you be able to do and maybe also what are things that are hard about bootstrapping I think
1: that neither one of us knows how to take directives very well we're both very headstrong independent neither one of us is good about following the rules Mm -hmm. and both of us are very good about breaking all the rules so there was no world and no way in which we were going to be beholden to anybody it's just not how we roll And what's very, very important to us is that our users know that this company will never be sold. Their data will never be sold. We are not on a path to make, you know, the general jump from being like a startup to having some other big corporation buy us out. The business itself is grounded in astrology. Again, it's not grounded in normal tech so I I don't think that there's any downfall in us doing it our own. Like I get so much satisfaction of knowing that it's all been our labor, our effort, our love, our craft, all of the blood, sweat, and tears that has gone into this app is because of what we wanted to create. And the satisfaction is in that. If there was somebody that wasn't an astrologer or wasn't an activist or wasn't like on board with us in a very core way that had any kind of role in this, it just wouldn't work. Like we wouldn't have done it. That We would never have worked this hard if it wasn't for our own vision and our own dream. I, both of us are so committed to freedom <laughs> Yeah, and
2: freedom is financial autonomy. Honestly, yeah. it begins and ends there. And I think the other upside to bootstrapping it is you are efficient and you're not, you know, investing eight grand a month in a wee space, cause you just got $5 million. You're always asking yourself the question of, do we need this? Do our users want this? It, it becomes very much about the product and less about I've got money to spend um, when it's your own money. I think that
0: is a hundred percent the value. That seems like the con, you know, like free money, free money, but really being responsible about money allows you to be responsible about everything else, about time, about what you value, what you care about. And there are some businesses that are beautiful and best suited for VC funding, but there's a lot of businesses and a lot of founders that aren't. And there's just so many beautiful pros. And I'm so glad that you guys are like bootstrappers, like, you know, down for bootstrapping forever (laughs) because (laughs) because I myself am a bootstrap founder and the control that I want is so precious to me. And it's, it's so hard to give that up. And every time that I do, I always regret it because I don't get to build my own world, not just from the thing that you're building, but also the people that you get to work with, the way that you get to live, the way that you get to work. So I I really appreciate that a lot. Yeah, did I
1: mention we're incredibly controlling? (laughs) (laughs) Totally.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm so curious though, how do you both apply
1: astrology to work? (laughs) 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 I mean, it's literally all I do all day. So there's that piece of it, but we do things like, You know, we launched the app on the best astrology we could find for the time. We we chose the day, time, and minute, and city. Like, we had an exact moment to launch the app uh, because of the chart of that moment. And pretty much as much as we can do that has good astrological timing around it, we do. So everything from newsletters to important emails to specific times we would do, like a launch of something is all timed astrologically.
0: That's so cool. I'm like now looking at the app and I'm like, wait, how do I use? It's coming.
2: It's, <laughs> it's coming. coming. We'll have it soon. <laughs> We're going to be putting that into the app that you can see. Whoa, really? For your time zone, like what are some good times to work with and for what? Like, yeah. This is a great time to send those emails. This is a great time to start a new endeavor.
0: Oh, well, I was wondering if you would be down to kind of walk me through how you would use the app looking maybe at my birth
1: chart. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let me ask, did you read about your birth chart in the app? I read about it in your book. Okay. So if you also go to the app and you read about your chart, it would be interesting to see like where the book and the app kind of meet up. So, you know, like when we look at your chart, the first thing that we would take note of is the fact that There's these two planets that hug your ascendant. Now, the ascendant is the part of the sky that's rising up over the eastern horizon the moment that you're pronounced born. And any planets that are around that point are very, very active in the life. They're very prominent and they become very important. Also, another planet that's really important is the planet that rules that sign. So there's a planet that rules every sign, and the planet that rules the sign of your rising sign or your ascendant sign becomes the planet that steers the direction of your life. You have Scorpio rising. So I'd actually love you to read something from mm-hmm. the app. Sure, and I have see it. if it resonates. yeah, uh-huh. So read over Scorpio rising. Uh, your rising sign is Scorpio
0: you are motivated to get to the truth no matter what is in your way most likely you'll be known for being strategic patient perceptive powerful able to wait until what you want makes its way to you your reserves of emotional strength are undeniable they have to be if you are going to carry out your mission immovable once you have made up your mind and powerful enough to demolish anything that gets in your way. You may be relentless in your efforts. No trial is too great. Your resilience is unmatched. Your intensity is unwavering. This is quite possibly why you don't make decisions impulsively. Once on course, good luck to anyone who tries to divert you. Down to explore the possibilities of power and playfulness. You may have a reputation for your sexual magnetism Yes. But that kind of stereotyping generally misses the mark. True. (laughs) What What you offer is a portal of transformation for others because you are comfortable with discomfort and unafraid of the process of change. Yes. When you feel attacked you are capable of destructive and obsessive self-sabotage damn you can turn your back (laughs) on what you need most to prove a point true every sign in the zodiac is ruled by a planet the sign scorpio is ruled by the planet mars which means that because you are scorpio rising mars is a very important planet in your chart it essentially steers the ship of your life so pay attention to the description of mars in your birth chart
1: Okay, so you have Mars and Saturn hugging your ascendant. So that's the nature of Scorpio is to come into the world motivated to get underneath the surface of things and maybe want to like talk to people about what it is that motivates them and get to that kind of deeper truth. When you have Saturn and Mars together in a house, it signifies something that could be difficult. So when you have Saturn and Mars together in the first house, the first house is the house of body and self and energy. So on one hand, because your Mars is there, we know that your life's purpose is about you, is about your own sense of self-expression, your own ability to like harness your own personal potency and power and drive and to put it into the world in some way. It's in a way that might be like a little under the surface again, because Scorpio doesn't lead with, this is everything. It's like, you got to get through some different uh, kind of gateways in order to really understand what's happening. It's like a deep motivation, but because Saturn is also there, Saturn is a force of, well, it makes somebody incredibly responsible. Sometimes it denotes somebody who's had to like grow up quickly, like when one was young, especially because your Saturn's like right up over the horizon. So you lead with a Saturnian kind of flair or flavor. I I wouldn't say like, sometimes there's a restraint there. There's a need to control and make sure that things are being shaped in the way that you need them to be. Saturn is an energy of pulling in and even putting on the brakes. But Mars is exactly opposite of that. It's an energy of moving forward and driving into something. So one goes back and one goes forward. And because you have them hugging the ascendant, there can be things with the body that become very important to take note of. Somebody else here might have Saturn and Mars in the have. first house. Oh, hey. Is that
0: why you guys were like, oh? <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
2: I don't know about you, Puno, but I am always too cold and too hot.
0: <gasps> yeah.
2: Yeah. Saturn is cold. Mars is hot. And I have them both right there in my first house of body. I often say like my life feels so lucky and so fortunate and so much ease and so much abundance. And also, my body is always in some sort of crisis.
0: Do you have that too? I I have been recently. I actually just got fibroid surgery um, and endometriosis surgery. And I, I guess I do always have some weird rash. There's always like my eczema or dandruff is just always acting a fool. There's just always like something. But... It never really bothers me too much. I kind of just steamroll through it. Um, your
1: resilience. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. So resilience is a huge theme for you. It's like Saturn is the brakes and Mars is the gas. And so it's like being stuck in, in between a rock and a hard place. And you always have to figure out a way through it. But you do. And so it feels like in your life, your resilience is always being put to the test. And you're always, I don't know if you feel like you're drawn to, or you seem to find situations that are kind of like, well, that seems like an insurmountable task. Might as well do it. (laughs) Always.
0: That's why we're doing this podcast. (laughs) Oh my God. But there's a, there's
1: a, a, a great depth and sensitivity. You've got so much stuff in Scorpio, so you feel really deeply, but there's a, toughness to you. Yeah. That you can really always, I think, rely on and depend on to be able to get you out of situations. Like this is not a lazy chart. We could oh just say God. that.
2: <laughs> you probably have more drives than
1: than you might even know.
2: That you know even what to do with it all.
0: Well and I think that's what my my favorite part about the book and the app is that it's a way for you to check in and really hone that self-awareness skill to me it's different than reading your sun sign horoscope because there's just so much that like with the prompts with the questions that you ask the way that you phrase Mm -hmm. specifically the way that you phrase things it just really makes me question and get me into this like huh You know, as opposed to being like told what is next
1: Uh and told what to do. Uh Uh Right. I would say one of the biggest things for your chart is taking care of your body Mm -hmm. and learning all of the ways in which your body needs to be taken care of. Because you have such a drive, you could really drive through your warning flags and your stop signs and your need to also tend to the kind of more tender parts of yourself. You're also a real leader. You've got Mars coming up and rising in your chart. And so you need to lead and do things on your own. There's this depth of feeling. And then you've just got everything else in Gemini, basically, which is like the total opposite. So there's this intensity and there's this need to get into the body and like deal with things that are difficult and painful. And listen, I mean, you said fibroids and Endometriosis. endometriosis is no joke. It's excruciating pain, but then there's also got all everything in Gemini, which is all about communications and lightheartedness and effervescence and like also journalism and like learning a lot about a, a bunch of different things and also swapping information and intel and all of that's in the part of your chart that has to do with collaborations. So collaborations can also be really important. Why are you laughing?
0: Ah, oh, I love that. Oh. If there's, you know, one thing you would tell somebody who's just diving into the app for the first time, what would you say, like
1: the first few things you should do and soak up? I say go and go and read your top, like read about your ascendant, read about your sun, read about your moon, read about all the things that aspect it, read about the planet that rules your ascendant, like go in and read about your chart. And instead of, like you said, feeling like it's talking at you, have a conversation with it, journal about what parts of it feel resonant for you. What is like, oh yeah, that is something that's really important in my life. Even if it's not like a fun thing or like a thing that I wish was there, it's like, oh no, that is actually a part of life that I need to pay attention to. And when I do, a lot comes to me through that thing. And then, you know, you can listen to your reading and see what part of the reading resonates. Yeah. Just being able
0: to kind of get a reading from you face to face, you know, not Mm -hmm. in person, but close enough (laughs) is is great. Do you miss that part or because now you're
1: trying to scale this. Um, I just gave a reading. Oh, you did? Right before this. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. So I still do them. They're not like the bulk of my work, but yeah. As an astrologer, I think you need to always give readings and stay in touch with that part of the work. That's
0: great. I love that. Yeah. I teach and I teach web design, and same thing. I like to grade my students' work still, and I like to yeah. give critique because it just, I don't want to get rusty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're so great at astrology, but in 2016, after Trump was elected, this is when you almost quit astrology? Or did I read that wrong?
1: I mean, I really, I really was like, is this valuable? Is this helpful? You know, the world feels very trepidatious right now. Where can I be of the most help or assistance or value? And it helped me to clarify why I do astrology and what the astrology is for and what it's about. That was really helpful in me. And, you know, the book is also born out of that feeling. It's like there's so many crises in the world. Like right now we can name a gajillion and we all, I think have to figure out what our talent is and move towards that and use that in service of creating spaces of justice and places where healing might occur. And so, you know, Sonia's organization, Free From, has always been interconnected with the business. And it's a real point for us that 5% of the app's profit goes to a safety fund for Black, Indigenous, people of color that have experienced gender based violence. And 100% of that money goes straight direct to folks that need it through free from. And so it was like, you know, I do astrology. I speak about things that are important to me through astrology, but we also use the financial model of the business to create pathways to things that people need. Yeah. And it's actually, it's not 5% of profits.
2: It's 5% of all proceeds. So, you know, profits get down to not a lot once you've got staff and all the other costs, but 5% of all the revenue
1: that the app generates goes directly in cash to folks. Yeah. We believe in mutual aid. The free firm's already doing it. So the business is now also in support that way of that model.
0: And this is obvious, to some, but can you explain why financial support is so important for survivors? Sure, I'd love to. So one in four women, one in two trans folks in the
2: US will experience intimate partner violence in their lifetime. And the number one obstacle to safety for survivors is financial insecurity. And that's for two reasons. The first is it is super expensive to experience harm in the first place the CDC estimates that intimate partner violence will cost a female survivor uh, $104,000. And so just experiencing harm and having to recover in terms of medical bills, relocation costs, property damage, you're talking about six figures in costs. But then on top of that, 99% of survivors experience economic abuse as part of the harm. And that can look like everything from not being allowed to work, working, but having to hand over your paycheck, having bank accounts that you don't know about, having credit cards and debt in your name that you don't know about. So very often, survivors are trying to figure out how to get and stay safe with six figures in costs, potentially no job, no source of income, no savings, a damaged credit score, debt in their name and just a tremendous amount of financial trauma. We have, since the beginning of the pandemic, been able to get grants, cash grants, to 4,100 survivors in all 50 states and Puerto Rico. And the number one need that survivors are saying that they have is cash to spend as they need to. And so these grants are, you can spend it on whatever you want to. We don't ask for receipts. We don't ask you to prove that you're a survivor. And what we are seeing is this can be a much more cost-effective way to support survivors, but it also really meets survivors where they are and trusts them to know what's best for them. I'll give you an example of one person that we got uh, $250. We're not even talking about a lot of money, but she was able to use that $250 to fix her car. And why that was important was because... Her harm doer was saying that if she didn't drop off their daughter for supervised visitations on time, that he was going to take the kid and she would have to fight him to get the kid back in court. So $250 was enough to fix her car to then both keep her child safe and avoid probably 30, $40,000 in legal fees to then fight for custody of her kid. And so for one person, it might be groceries. For another person, it might be fixing their car. For another, it might be being able to make rent so that you don't get evicted, so that you don't end up having to go back to abuse or having to get into a new abusive situation. And so I think that cash is key in addressing this problem.
0: Oh, wow. that feels great. You must feel really good. (laughs) I do. I feel really good most days. That doesn't warm your heart. Dang it. (laughs) It's so incredible how both of you are using kind of your superpowers um, together. I'm curious because, you know, Chani, you've been doing this for a while. How has Sonia helped make a difference in the Johnny brand and what was it like before Sonia?
1: Oh dear. <laughs> um you know my specific story is one of knowing well my chart I could say is also like the planet that rules my seventh house of relationships is in my first house of self. And so I really always was looking for a partnership that could help me out (laughs) and I need to partner with people in a way that is kind of like non-negotiable, even though I'm so independent and I've always kind of just before we met was like out there on my own doing the thing and just like really living paycheck to paycheck, moment to moment, always entrepreneurial kind of vibe But it wasn't until we met that I felt a sense of groundedness and an ability to focus my talents and put them one place and grow them. You know, Sonia's gift is understanding people's talents and knowing how to make the most of them. And so when we got together, she was like, oh, you're sitting on a whole business and you don't even know it. And I grew up with like, oh, I was raised by like, wolves, basically. I was like raised by like hippies and, you know, Canada in a tiny town and everything was about anti-capitalism, but nobody really taught me anything else. So it was just like, money is bad and that's it. It wasn't like, but we should be cooperative or we should like learn how to, I don't know, be self-sustaining or whatever. There was just no blueprint for how to live and function as like an adult. So when we met, she basically just took what I had and shaped it into something. And then I was like, oh, this is exactly what I've been waiting for. And then I could just pour my ambition and energy and anxiety into it. Do you have anything to say?
2: (laughs) No. I I mean... That's what I did. (laughs) That's what I meant. I mean, it's like.
1: She's a business person. Yeah. And I'm not. She's taught me how to become one. I think
2: I'm a systems person, systems and a structure person. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Ops. Yeah.
2: And I know how to organize things in a way that makes sense. And so I organized you. I was, you know, I was looking through all of our old files and documents and I found these little. To do lists, and it was like one column was Chani's to do list, and one column was mine from 2015. And it was just, you know, when we came together, this became our family and our future. And so we were both so committed to doing what we needed to build it. And so whether it was like, I've got one thing on there that's like, figure out her PayPal password, you know, it's as small a thing as that. And then as big a thing as build the app. (laughs) Um, And we work so beautifully together. We both 200% trust each other. I know what's mine to decide. She knows what's hers. I know when her idea will be better than mine. So there's so much joy in the collaboration, which has made it so beautiful. And then it's also, you know, as much as I've supported her, she supported my work. I didn't take a salary for the first two years of building Free From. The only reason I was able to do that is because of the business we were building. Free From has a social enterprise gifted by Free From that is exclusively selling products made by survivor entrepreneurs. And then employing survivors for a living wage to operate the store. I'd say 90% of our revenue comes from her mailing list and her showcasing the products. And the app is now funding the safety fund. And I think over the last six years, every year she's done a fundraiser for FreeFam and for the work that we do. And like, you know, two hours later, we've got the first $15,000. So the two are so symbiotic. So as much as I've supported her in building her business and realizing her potential, she has equally and opposite done that for me.
0: I also, I work with my my partner, my husband and- Good, collaboration's so good for your chart. It's really important Oh my you. gosh, if Daniel was here, he'd be like, that girl loves to collaborate. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: like your jam. I cannot
0: not do it. But then
1: at the same time, I can't not control things. Anyways. Yeah. It's your Scorpio. Oh. When you're like, I'm controlling everything. Be like, that's my Saturn. I'm my ascendant. You're like down to win. You're Mars and Scorpio is like, I will win. It'll be like, you know, maybe a little undercover, but you'll win.
0: You will win. You'll always win. You'll win. Damn. <laughs> <No pressure. laughs> Any partnership, regardless if it's your personal relationship, a partnership in business where we found was the best formula was when we didn't do everything together. And when we would actively say, Hey, you're really good at that. Go do that. Don't even check in with me. I trust you a hundred percent. So there was not only trust, but also there's no resentment if anything ever goes wrong. And I think those two things were so important for us to just get it going. For you guys, what have been some learnings about how you have to approach work to really like maximize the Sonia and Johnny?
2: I will say for the most part, it's been really easy and really natural. Mm-hmm.
1: That's great. Because we have such different talents.
0: That's what I think is key though. Because well, what, you're gonna have the same two people do the same two things, like then you're gonna yeah. fight all the time. Yeah. yeah. And I think we're also really clear about why we're doing what
2: we're doing. And we're both so invested in the other one being able to live out whatever creative potential they want to. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to call the apps on
1: you. You know? <laughs> I didn't want to call it Channy either, just to be clear. Yeah.
2: It was just that that was how you. <laughs> was it wasn't
1: like that was a dream either? of mine or anything. But you
2: know what I mean? Like, if I did, if I wanted <laughs> to
1: have that,
2: this could go really wrong. We both just are really clear about what we want and really clear about supporting each other in that way. So I'd say that's a big part of it. And also I've had to become,
1: I've had to really get more organized and like be more willing to, you know, play hardball and do Mm -hmm. things that are really difficult and deal with situations that are really challenging that you only deal with at work and with other humans and in parts of my life where I would have like backed off or let things slide, I've had to become a much better leader, honestly.
0: I completely feel that. I think as you grow, especially like from no employees to like 10, it's very, very tricky. The other thing too, and and actually I was talking to an HR consultant. And she talks to small business founders all the time. And she's like, the one thing about small business founders is they always want to create this culture in this world that they've always wanted. But then the boundaries are hard for them because they want to be fair. They want to be amazing. They want to be gracious and generous. And she's like, and that's something that is going to be really hard for you to no, nope, this is where I'm going to draw the line. And I'm definitely feeling that right now. (laughs) Yeah, I think both of us,
2: first of all, just as people are very boundaried, so that works in our favor as employers, but it's so important to both of us to build a thriving workplace. And I think we've seen where wanting to be best friends with your employees or wanting to be liked or wanting to not come across like a hard ass actually really creates very unsafe work environments because people need to know what's okay and what's not okay. They need the mentorship. They want the mentorship. Like they came to work for you for a reason. They want to know how their work is. They want honest feedback, honesty, and boundaries make people feel safe. There's so much beauty in having founders who are running the company because all of that care that you put into creating this, you can, if done right, then put into the workplace. And so for us, I'm not your best friend, I'm your boss. I don't care if you like me, I care if you are able to thrive here, I care if you're able to meet your potential here that you want to, you're able to get out of this, what you came here to get out of this. But what is my job to do, what is our job to do, is to create uh, working conditions in which you can do that.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So making sure that everyone is paid well.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: At a minimum, you should be paid well. Mm-hmm. But then on top of that, we're really mindful of what are the benefits that we're creating for our staff. And the beauty, again, of being bootstrapped, of owning the company yourselves, of being the people who are creating the culture that internally reflects what externally we are trying to do on the app. Our commitment is to thriving. And if we're not doing that internally, then what is the point? Mm -hmm. So things like we have um, unlimited vacation and a vacation stipend for our staff to make sure that they're actually going on vacation, a building wealth stipend so that our staff are able to really like put money aside that we're supporting them with to paying down debt, to investing in a down payment, We have unlimited menstrual leave. You know, you were talking about the endometriosis, like having a uterus is so incredibly painful sometimes. Mm -hmm. And if you're dealing with painful menstruation, you're not sick or on vacation, you're actually just being a person with a uterus. And so really recognizing that we don't want anyone to work through pain and we don't expect anyone to work through pain. And so really just being thoughtful about the ways that we as employers have a responsibility to care and being very clear also that we are employers and we hold that power. And I think the the turning point for me as a boss was when I stopped pretending I didn't have that power mm-hmm. because that's a really messy place.
1: Yeah. It's unfair and it can create a lot of harm, I think also not being funded, not having VC funding, we are so invigorated to create a working culture that financially backs all of our beliefs. Mm -hmm. But it's also that because we don't just have funding and there's not just an unlimited source of it. It's like, we're creating something. And so in order for this to be a good exchange, everybody has to be in good communication. The The work has to be you know, done in a certain way. Like, no, I'm not paying someone to do something for us. We're in a relationship and we're really focused on the ways in which the human relationships in the company need to be set up in a way where folks can thrive. And that can't happen if power dynamics aren't, addressed and understood and held with conscious awareness yeah Mm -hmm. yeah
2: yeah And you know so many people are like well you're a small business how can you afford to do to have all of these stipends and all of these benefits and our response is how can you afford not to what is the cost of people not being well what is the cost to you as an employer what is the cost to the creative potential of this company if people are not well so i can't afford not to invest in the wellness of my team but so many of our businesses and structures are set up to have the only priority be the bottom line and so then it's about saving kpis yeah it's about saving money and cutting costs where you can and you know capitalism is just bad economics most of the time like Mm -hmm. All that money you saved by making it so that part-time staff didn't have benefits, you're just going to pay for it in the high turnover and rehiring process and retraining process. But shortchanging
1: employees is so normalized in our society. Mm-hmm. So that's also another reason why we couldn't have taken funding. Yeah. You know, one of the things we want to do is disrupt the work culture in the ways that it's really destructive and it's only extractive. There's a feeling of being extracted from, and it's correct because that's how the dynamic is set up.
0: Yeah. In terms of like the different benefits, were these things that you knew all along or were the things that you started building and started integrating slowly? We
1: actually learned from Free From. Yeah.
2: So this is, you know, my life's work is addressing economic abuse and creating financial freedom. So it was so important from the get-go with Free From to really be thoughtful about what we were doing. And, you know, so often I think employers do what everyone else is doing without necessarily questioning it. My blessing and my curse is that I will question everything. And so when the person on the phone who does our payroll management says the norm is that you wait three to six months before employees are eligible for medical, dental, and vision, I think a lot of people would be like, okay, that's the norm. Great. And instead I was like, wait a second. So you go six months on the job, hoping you don't get sick because you don't have insurance. And if I hired you to work here are you not on my team? Because if you're on my team, shouldn't you be getting those benefits from day one? And what do you mean it's called probation? Because that sounds a lot to me, like the carceral system. And what place does the carceral system have in our workplaces? Free From is four and a half years old now. Over the last four and a half years, we have added benefits as we kind of thought of it, or as someone introduced it to us. Like the most recent benefit we added at Free From was the unlimited menstrual leave. And, and we've always had unlimited, like no one counts how long you're out. You take time off whenever you need it. Your priority is that you're well. I don't care if you took 16 sick days or four, just take care of yourself because you can't control being sick. So why would you limit how many sick days you have? But one of our newest employees who is Korean was like, you know, in Korea, they implemented menstrual leave and there was a huge backlash because men said it was inequitable because they couldn't have all the meshegas that happened as a result of that. But she brought it to me and she was like, I think we should have it. And I was like, that's a really great idea. Both Free From and App have gender-based violence leave. Two weeks of leave. If you or an immediate family member experience gender-based violence, whether that is intimate partner violence, sexual assault, stalking, anything like that, You can right away take that leave and take the full two weeks now, take a couple days or a couple days later. Why do we need that if we have unlimited vacation? Technically, we don't. But I think as employers, it's really important for us to know the things that we are accountable for and for us to really, for lack of a better word, take a political stance on things. Mm. And words are so important. You know, God forbid you have to go get a rape kit done or you have to just go and relocate or go stay in a hotel for a couple of days, whatever it is, and you've got to go deal with that immediately. You're not sick and you're not on vacation. You are bearing the burden of the societal problem of gender-based violence. And so kind of going back to what we were saying earlier, like as employers, we hold so much power and we have to know that and we have to name that and we have
1: to
0: own that and then we have to act accordingly.
1: And recreate culture and the process.
0: Yeah, And it seems like this is the theme overall, is that you both have so much self-agency that you're looking at every aspect from how you want to build an app, who you want to build it with, to what you're doing with your work and employees. And I think that's probably because you've been practicing that Every day, because that is like a true skill to recognize and then have the courage to say, nah, I don't want to do that. (laughs) That's not the way I roll. Yeah, I I don't
2: even know if it's courage so much as it's freedom, Mm -hmm. like knowing your freedom, knowing your agency is really, really powerful. For a lot of reasons. And I think that's one of them. It's like seeing where you can create culture, where you can disrupt and where you have the ability to to not just do what's always been done.
1: And to use your agency for more than just yourself. Right. For more than just your own well-being, to have it actually question and experiment with creating communal well-being. Right.
0: What are you hoping that because the Chaniat, for example, is going to be reaching even more people than ever. What are you hoping that like the best scenario
1: is out of bringing that into the world? The, the best scenario is always for me that people feel witnessed by the work and then activated in a positive way or somehow connected with their purpose. And I do believe that if we all feel witnessed and, and connected to our calling and our purpose, that we can more quickly move towards the work that is ours to do in the world, to be of service in the world in a way that is specifically ours to be. And we, the world, I believe desperately needs us all to do that. And so if there's a gift from astrology that I think we've both received, it's that, it's that, oh no, this is your gift. This is the thing. This is what you're supposed to be doing in the world. Or if that's your feeling, that's your calling and the chart says, yeah, then it's like, okay, go, go and do it and be of service and see what comes of that. Because I believe, I think we believe that that kind of generativity can lead to so much generosity and also abundance. And that there's truly, I believe, no lack on this planet. We have more than enough resources. We have more than enough technology. We have more than enough creativity within each one of us. And that the quicker we move in to that place of claiming that creativity and that agency and that resilience, not all of us have Scorpio rising, but we can all tap into that in us, the better off the world eventually will be. We all need that from each other. I think we all owe that to each other if we're able to get there. Not all of us have the privilege of being able to even talk about agency. The three of us are in a very specific situation in the world. And so I think we're even more beholden to our responsibility to do that and to push the envelope, there's a lot to tend to. It's like, I want people to be like, okay, I got it, go and move with it.
0: Now I remember the thing that resonated with me a lot when I was reading my chart. And Mm -hmm. it was that I'm always looking for someone's potential and I'm always trying to figure out how did they Mm -hmm. get there? Like I love to problem solve that very specific thing It's so fun because what I love about, you know, your guys's mission as businesses, as tools is to get somebody there to like get them to believe in themselves and be in their best state, you know, because then you can thrive and vibe, you know, like (laughs) I've actually felt that and I never knew that that's what I wanted to do, but it's. It's 100% now my definition of success is finding that in other people. So I'm so curious how you both have redefined success since, I don't know, since whenever you, it might've changed. <laughs> it's a great one.
2: It's a really great question. But I also, in a lot of ways, have what you have is like this very clear Mars on my ascendant drive and clarity about what I'm here to do and what I want to do. So I'm someone who had the very good fortune of at a young age realizing what my work in the world was, which was harm reduction, harm repair, particularly in the context of gender-based violence. And so I think the lesson for me has been realizing that I can do everything in my power and Free From can do everything in its power and it still won't solve the problem. And really, instead of thinking about success in this individualistic way of thinking about it, which is I can solve the problem. I am a superhero. Mm -hmm. I can do it. We can do it at Free From. Really, instead thinking about Everything that we do within a broader context, a generational context, a centuries context, like the work of BLM is so rooted in the work of the Black Panther Party 40 years earlier and thinking about my work within the longer context of human history and the future of humanity, and not feeling that urgency or sense of failure
3: Mm.
2: when the vision that I have for the future is not realized in my lifetime. Mm. And I think when you can take away that urgency, when you can take away KPIs and one year, five year, six year goals, and instead think about the longevity of humans on this planet, then you can be more thoughtful about what success is because it's not accomplishing a short-term goal. It's Mm -hmm. contributing to humanity in a way that we all have the capacity to do. We don't have the capacity to end gender-based violence in my lifetime, but we do have the capacity to create new systems and new frameworks and new ideas of thinking about the problem and to resource people as much as we can. Rest easy that we did our best, and that is success, not ending a problem.
0: I love that. I, when you're saying that, I was visualizing just how you're talking about even your chart and like how it's constantly moving. It sounds like the definition of success is movement, is just. Making sure it's still rolling, you know, and that we're still working on it. What about you,
1: Chani? I think for me, success is living in a way that feels connected. Connected to the people that I talk to every day, connected to other folks in the world that are doing great work, and that the things that we do engender more connection and greater networks of safety and, and also networks of creativity and problem solving and, and it gets really easy to fall into a kind of mindset of wanting to win. And the winning for me at this point is, is really about how wide the work can go and all of the different, Types of partnerships that can happen through it. And I think, you know, what Sonia said, it's like if I look to the public, if I look to other people for validation, it's going to be really painful. There's always going to be someone that has something to say about the things that you're trying so hard to do. And also, success really for me is like not needing people to like me.
0: When did that change?
1: Oh, I'm still working <laughs> on, <that. laughs>
0: on the to-do list after the password? Yeah. Yeah, yeah make yeah, yeah. sure I don't give a shit about what that person said around
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm being aspirational.
0: <laughs> ah, it was so great chatting with you. And thank you for giving me that reading as well. It was really special. For our listeners who want to help and be part of Free From, where should they go?
2: So our website is freefrom.org. And folks can go there, whether you're a survivor who is looking for some support or you are someone who wants to give and support the cash assistance fund 100% of the money that we raise goes directly to survivors. We don't keep an admin fee. So you can, you know, know that the money that you're giving is going to um, go
0: to someone directly in that way. All right, well thank you guys so much. Have a great rest of your day and tell the birds I said hi. Thank you so
2: <laughs> Thanks much for having it us. It was such a pleasure.
0: Wasn't that such a great episode? Well, you're probably wondering, where can I get the Channy app? Well, you can download Channy app on Apple stores. And if you want to learn about Free From and how to donate, you can go to freefrom.org. The number one way you can support Girlboss Radio is by hitting that good old subscribe button. And if you're feeling moved to do so, write us a review. We love it. And it helps. Plus, do not forget, we have a daily newsletter and you should subscribe to that too. And we're always sharing books and businesses and apps like Chani and Sonia's on the newsletter because, you know, you want to know what's happening. Girlboss Radio is a production of I Love Creative Studio, original music composed by Nija, and this episode was produced by Imani Leonard, Christopher Olin, and Courtney Kosak. Engineering was done by Vinay Shaw. Our editorial director is Clemence. Special thanks to Taylor, Nor Agency, and Kaylee. All right, until next Tuesday. See ya!